G'day, everybody. We are thrilled to have you joining us today on episode 19 of Heart of the Bookkeeper. I'm Rob Marshall, and this podcast is all about bookkeepers helping bookkeepers who are helping business and the real life stories of those who make all of that a reality and simply make it happen. This podcast is brought to you by the Institute of Certified Bookkeepers in partnership with Beyond Blue's New Access for Small Business Owners program, a free and confidential mental health coaching program developed by Beyond Blue to give small business owners, including sole traders, the support they need. My business is struggling. So am I. The last few years have been pretty tough and I think I probably need some support. Don't downplay what's playing on your mind. New access for small business owners developed by Beyond Blue provides free mental health coaching to get you feeling like yourself again. Designed for small business owners and sole traders, it's via phone or video and you don't need a doctor's referral. That'd really help. Search new access for small business owners and inquire today. This episode features somebody I have come to know very exclusively over the past three years, and in a roundabout sort of way, so may many of you. Pauline Walton has for most of the past decade passionately and methodically provided so much of the day-to-day support and contributed to the highly valued resources that are used by bookkeepers and members of the ICB around Australia. Pauline is a proud part of the support and resources team that I'm so very fortunate to lead for the ICB on a daily basis. So please sit back and hear some amazing insights and revelations into the day-to-day mechanics of supporting the bookkeepers of Australia, including how we deal with that during the good times and in the times of crisis and not so good times. But more importantly, get to know somebody who has an incredible drive and a passion to do all of this just for you. Let's hear from ICB Senior Support Supervisor, Pauline Walton. It is my absolute pleasure to have Somebody joining us today on Heart of the Bookkeeper that, well, this is a little bit different this episode than maybe what I've done before. Um, Let's not go any further than that other than to say, Pauline Walton, welcome to Heart of the Bookkeeper. Thanks, Rob. Good to be here. It's one of those ones where we're going to, we're going to call it right from the start. We're a little bit of awkwardness in the fact that Pauline and I, if you don't know, work together almost every day. We probably in some ways, see each other in in some instances more than we see other people in our lives. But uh, we're going to bypass that awkwardness and focus more in on the fact that it's an amazing story, the story of Pauline Walton. She doesn't probably think so, but we're going to unpack a bit of Pauline's journey in the bookkeeping space. And we're certainly going to unpack the passion that Pauline has for bookkeeping and in particular, the passion that she has for members who are part of the Institute of Certified Bookkeepers. And I'm really fortunate to lead a group of ladies, including Pauline and a couple of other, um, not a couple other, a few others that I'm going to name, Wendy Hughes, Gabriella Ornig, Simone Emmett, Deb Thompson, and the very out there, Erica Brooks. I'm just, I'm, I'm a lucky guy. I get to lead these ladies every day and they, they do some amazing things in our community here in Australia. And I really wanted to take this opportunity to tap into to one of those very special people, and that is Pauline. So, Pauline, to start off with, we're going to 
we have this little thing on Heart of the Bookkeeper. We we introduce a couple of opening balances in the life of somebody who we interview. Just maybe let's kick off with what what is it that you actually do at the Institute of Certified Bookkeepers? What's your role? It's an interesting question, Rob, because a role, as you said, doesn't really advise. But I'm the senior support supervisor as part of the ICB support team. And basically, I manage this, the resource um, area, what resources need to be updated, new resources that we need, ha- allocating to the relevant staff, such as Wendy and Erica in particular, that also are the ones that are responsible for getting them up to scratch to get them up on the website for you, which they do exceptionally well. Um, and as you can imagine, that in itself is a huge task because we have an over 2,000 resources that we're trying Mm, to um, mm. update on a regular basis as well as trying to keep up with all the new stuff. So it can be very busy. And then on top of that, for those that do know me and have been around the traps, I'm on support um, a few days a week, which I love. As Rob said, I love chatting our members. Um, Sometimes it's frustrating when we can't get an answer for you, but it's always enjoyable doing that. (laughs) And I'm also on the webinar team. So a lot of you, as Deb would have put it, um, we'll hear my dulcet tones quite regularly when I do the webinars, <laughs> along with Deb Thompson, who really enjoy working with. Deb's, Deb's just absolutely fantastic at doing doing webinars. And then I'm also on the presentation team when we go out to our major events, um, which is one coming up very shortly. Next week, actually, Rob, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. Yes. Um, yes. First time face-to-face with you wonderful members, those are attending in three years, as you know. And, yes, I can't wait to actually be able to say hello in person to all of those that are coming along to that. Absolutely. And um, I'm going to call it, I think you've only just glossed over what you actually do on a daily basis. There's a whole heap of other stuff that I can think of that I could rattle off, but they're probably the the main aspects of what you do. And we're going to dig a little bit more even into that or a bit deeper a little bit later um, in in uh, this conversation that we're having. And I'll call it, you don't have to, but I, I get to witness um, the the amount of incredible effort that Pauline puts in on a daily basis, along with the other ladies that we've we've already called in the whole ICB support team. But but I, I have to say Pauline's commitment to making sure that those resources that she meant, mentioned that are so valued by our membership, her scrutiny of that and her oversight of that is exceptional and um, we, we were, I think all of us owe a, uh, a debt of honour for Pauline and what she does in that respect. So she's a bit embarrassed by me saying that, but uh, we'll uh, we'll dig a little bit more into that in a moment. We, I always uh, like to have at least three opening balances to get a balance sheet sort of up and running. You know, we sort of make sure it's got to be uh, in accordance with the with the conventions that we know of a good balance sheet. I know that family is also very important to you, and we may dig into this a little bit more a bit later, but do you want to just give us a little bit of overview of your your beautiful little family? Yes, I am very fortunate with my family. I've known my husband since I was 18. I started dating back in the day on, when, in the 1980 when I was had just turned 18 and we have now been together over 40 years. So um, married for 40 years, together for 42. So that's been a huge journey and a great journey. And I have two wonderful sons. I have my eldest son, Corey, who's just turned 32. And then my youngest son is turning 30 in December, which I must say is making me feel exceptionally old at the moment. Um, (laughs) And then the latest addition to my little family is my fur baby, my little Charlie, who's two years old, (laughs) whom I'm loving, a little COVID puppy. 
has his eccentricities, but he's he's exceptionally cute. And I'm also very fortunate in both of my sons have two wonderful partners that are just like daughters for me. So mm. um, very, very special. Mm. I have mm. my – I lost my dad, as you know, Rob, um, mm. Father's mm. Day, not this year but the year before, unexpectedly, which was a, which was a huge shock um, and mi- still miss him terribly. But I have my mum still there. And then I have um, very, very close family with Steve's family in Perth, which is extended, um, get on exceptionally well, love catching up with them when I go over. I have great mm. nieces and nephews. I don't have a grand bubby yet. I'm hopeful one day <laughs> that that may happen. <laughs> I'm not all, not <laughs> necessarily convinced it will. Um, and I still have family in England um, for, on my father's side that I, I am in touch with regularly. So I'm very fortunate in that regard as far as family goes. And, and I might have missed it, but because uh, if you don't think this show is uh, is recorded live, you may have heard a phone ringing in the background there. I don't know if it was somebody ringing in on support there, Pauline, but uh, uh, we're, we're allowing the other ladies to attend to that right now. Uh, may have missed it along the way. How long married to Steve? Married 40 years, together 42. 40 years, yes. So... I think by today's standards, that's uh, that's an exceptional effort and uh, one that I know you're very proud of. And you, you and Steve have, have done a lot together, and we're going to go into that in a moment. You've done a heck of a lot together, so we're going to get to there. But we've got to we've got to keep moving on with uh, one more opening balance to get us going. Family is important, and I know you get together and and eat together as a family. You mentioned also the fact that. Uh, we as a, an Institute of Certified Bookkeepers are really looking forward to getting back out on the road and we will be doing that in the coming weeks for our uh, what we call our termination workshops um, and looking forward to, as you said, catching up with members all around Australia. I've been on one or two trips with you and I haven't quite got the pattern yet, so fill me in along with the listeners. What's your go-to meal when we're on, when you're on the road, you know, and we're in different restaurants and hotels and that? What's your go-to meal? I mean, I'm always looking out for a, a nice steak or perhaps a you know a, a prawn linguine or something like that, as you know. But uh, I'm not quite sure on your go-to meal. What is it? I don't know that I necessarily have a go-to. I mean, I always look out look look for a nice lamb shank. Um, If I'm feeling like being naughty, I enjoy a good chicken parmi and chips if it's a good one, (laughs) and I enjoy a good pasta. So a lot of it depends on what the mood Mm. is at the time, um, well and Mm -hmm. truly. But then as you know, Mm. Rob, sometimes I don't even need to eat because I see beef feed us so exceptionally well on the road. I'm sure I put a few kilos on when I come back from being on the road. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm already dreading that part of it. Yes, some of the uh, the lunchtime meals at our conferences and our summits and and various events have uh, certainly added a, an extra notch on the belt for me. So looking out for that one as well. All right, very good. We've kind of got a little bit of a feel for, for Pauline Walton, but let, let's go a little bit deeper. Where, where where did life begin for you? Where did it start? And I only just found this out recently and it caught me by surprise. I was born in England. I'm a pom. <laughs> mm, mm, I did not know. And Rob, you would love where I was born because I was actually born opposite the um, the cricket grounds over there um, oh, in the hospital. Oh, nice. Yes. Um, so, yes, I, I was born in England and I am one of the last of the 10-pound pommies that actually came over to Australia. And I actually landed in Australia on my fourth birthday. Right. Yeah. And we were very fortunate in that the trip over and my parents to this day swore it's the best holiday they ever had. We came over on the Fairstar cruise ship, which back in its day um, was one of the best cruise ships around and it, it was actually very new. So we came over for £10 
or £20, £10 for mum, £10 for dad. Um, and, it, and they had a blast, I reckon, because we would babysat the whole time like any cruise ship. And um, I have a few little memories of winning a um, little doll that peed when I won one of the fancy dress um, <laughs> things that they do, <laughs> which back in those days, doll. all those okay. years ago, was very impressive <laughs> that this doll peed. Mm, um, yeah. So, yes, and, and we actually landed in Geelong, Rob, and um, did our first 12 months here, just under 12 months, in what I used to call the roly-poly houses, which was the mm-hmm. hostels down there, um, oh, the right. immigration hostel, and it was like a, you know, a a rounded roof and to me at four it just looked like a roly-poly house which was my nickname for them and so they're not there anymore. <laughs> so you've caught me straight up. I'm thinking a little bit of life growing up in Geelong and you're such a passionate, I'm going to call it out, such a passionate Melbourne D supporter and you're certainly up and about in 2021 when the D's mm-hmm. over here, ironically, in Perth took away the premiership after a long drought. So you weren't ever influenced to be a Geelong supporter along the way? or You're no? going to laugh, Rob, because I hate Geelong. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> oh, yeah. the bottom uh, of my football list, I, um, all my family goes. <laughs> for Geelong. But no, I mean, I didn't get into football until I was well and truly over in WA because we moved to WA about 18 months after we landed here in Australia. So, yes, yeah, apologies to all the cats supporters <laughs> out there, although I think they're probably pretty happy at the moment after their uh, journey this year. So, uh, shout out to anybody who's a cat supporter and well done to those guys. We won't talk about my team, West Coast. But um, so, yeah, so then the, the move was over to 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 my part of the world, uh, to Western Australia. What what precipitated that move was it a, a da, um, dad? I'm guessing for work was it or yeah, da- dad's dad's trade. He was actually a carpet weaver by trade. He used to actually weave the old Axminster. I don't know whether you ever remember them back in the oh, day. Oh yeah, yeah, um, I do. He used to create a lot of those over in England. Um, when he came to Australia, of course, that sort of became more um, automated. So he didn't really have much work over here, and he didn't have much behind him for it. So we moved over to Perth and he was working in a box factory, funnily enough. And probably about 10 months after that, he got a job up with Mount Newman Mining up in the Pilbara. And so we moved up into the oasis in the middle of the Pilbara, which is this spot of green amongst a lot of dirt and spinifex when you fly over. And and I spent Uh 17 years up there. I'm glad you're calling it an oasis. I think most people call it a desert. But anyway, we're, we're, I'm fascinated with your dad. He So he weaved Axminster, yeah. I think that's how you say it. So Axminster, isn't that a carpet yeah. or is that, have I got that yeah. right? So ha, so what, he was hand sewing carpets He'd have or the rugs? Hand, or? The hand, um, like they still have a machine but it's all done by hand. You know, you've got the, the reels yeah. on there and you're moving the, the reels with hands huh. and things like that. Um, whereas now most of that's done by we, by automation, obviously. And then he'd also yeah. lay carpets as part of that. And um, right. and when you look, if anyone that's as old as me in particular, if you look at those patterns of Axminster, um, they're probably some of the ugliest looking carpets in hindsight, but gosh, they were complex <laughs> um, patterns uh-huh. in there. They're very, very complex patterns. And he was, he was um, exceptional with that. But of course, like everything like that, it ends up becoming automated and there's no work for it. Is that what he did for the completion of his life or did he move on to something else or was that, that his trade right through? No. When he moved to Australia, he actually worked down in one of the factories, um, well, I think it might have been the Ford factory in Geelong when we first came over. Um, right. And then he was a labourer on the mine in Mount Newman, used to work yep. in the crusher, um, used to come home looking like um, someone had dumped a load of red dirt over him effectively, mm. which is what happened, mm. and then ended up being the head person 
under the, the main manager involved in actually regreening the, the mine. So I don't know whether anyone's aware, Newman's an open-cut iron ore mine at that point, and I think it's not far off it, but it was one of the biggest in the world and it's huge. So they would try and put the plantations back and, and then he went to that to sort of doing things along those lines. He used to love agriculture, that sort of thing, the planting and, and whatever. But he worked in the crusher for many years, would help on the derailments when the train would derail, that sort of thing. So maybe explain to everybody, certainly those who are listening in who maybe haven't even been to Western Australia or if they have, their experience has been Perth or maybe down where I am in the Bunbury, Margaret River region, explain Newman to, to everybody. I mean, it's it's not exactly paradise in some respects, is it? And temperatures can get, yeah, pretty out there. So Newman is effectively on the edge of the desert. So it's about a 13, it's over 1,200 kilometres from Perth, which is the main city. In between there, you have a couple of couple of towns. And then on the other side of it, it's about 900 kilometres, I think, to Port Hedland, which is the next closest. So it's effectively dirt and spinifex nearly all the way up. And then you have a, where, where Newman is, it's called after the mountain. There's a 4,500 high mountain. And then you go beyond that though, Rob, and the Pilbara and the Kimberleys and and some of the gorges around the Whitnoom area, which is, you know, a couple of hours out of Newman where the old asbestos mines were. Mm, um, mm. It's just stunning and you have to – it's it's a very different different environment to the green, lush types of scenarios that you get. But the gorges are gorgeous and they're offset by rock and red dirt and it's just um, – but very dry. So I'm a hockey player, as you'd know, Rob, and – you know, when I started playing hockey, we would have a round robin at the start of the season. Well, we would play a weekend of hockey and it probably wouldn't get much below the mid-30s. Mm, so it was, geez. yeah, it was in the 40s probably for about 10 months of the year. Mm. The other couple of months it would hit around the 28. But funnily enough, because you're on the desert, it would drop to minus. So when Steve used yeah. to ride his push bike up to the mine, he'd have balaclava because you could wear them back then, balaclava and gloves and everything else on and got up there on his little push bike because the mine was only five kilometres out of town. So it was quite um, right. quite easy to get to. But, yes, it's – but you, but in its own way, um, I couldn't have asked for a better place to grow up back then because back then it was a town. Now it's fly in, fly out, which has sort of destroyed the town per se. Yeah, it, it is a bit sad. It doesn't – those sort of towns have lost a little bit of their character. I mean, towns – in Western Australia, not only up north, but certainly out into the gold fields and the wheat belt, you know, as happened in different places around Australia, you know, became a hub, you know, maybe in some towns that now only have, you know, a couple of hundred residents, you know, back in the day would have five or six pubs in the whole, you know, in the town and that sort of stuff. And it was just, it was just amazing communities. And, and that was still the case probably up until at least the time you were there from what I can gather. And it was your schooling, you know, affected by the fact that you were, you know, in essence doing it out in the desert? I actually think we benefited from it because we had small classes. I mean, especially in high school when I was doing my tertiary education, we were looking at classes of six and eight people with a teacher mm. looking at us. Now, you don't get that in, in the cities. No. So in, as far as that went, yes, definitely um, I think it was a great thing. The community life is why I got so involved in sport. There's not a lot to do up there, trust me. I used to yeah. swim in the swimming club every night after school. The pool was your only entertainment really and uh, basketball courts you'd meet down there like they do now in groups and then the driving. And so 
the driving was the funny one because you tended to go the driving on the Friday night and the Saturday night. The Friday night would either be to make out or watch the movie and then you'd do the opposite on the Saturday <laughs> night. So that was all you had. We had no nothing else, you know, no cinemas, no nothing. So, um, but, but because you knew everyone, you could go anywhere and you were with a group of friends. And, and I think that was the one thing that I missed when I first moved to Newman. Because New Year, for example, you did a New Year in Newman and you'd be at the pub or the club and everybody mm. that was there, you would know in some way or form. And mm-hmm. and um, that sort of community mm-hmm. I struggled with when I first moved to Perth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I guess in some ways that's, you know, that's the – not trying to draw too big a longer bow, but in in some ways that's what we've hopefully started to create over the years with the ICB, with our network groups, you know, that bit of community where you come together and everybody's familiar with each other and you don't feel too awkward to to share what what's happening in your bookkeeping world or whatever. So, uh, and a shout out right now, if you're listening to, to Pauline's story, we'll, we might touch a bit on network meetings in a moment because I know how passionate you are about those as well. But Bottom line is if you you are a bookkeeper and you aren't involved with a community like our network meetings, I'd really encourage you to reach out to us and find out more about that because in some ways that is the the key to, well, certainly in my life, you know, this is the Pauline Walton story, not the Rob Marshall story, but many of you who have listened have heard how passionate I am too of growing up in a regional community, in my case, in a little place called Harvey and how important that, well, that's defined my life. There's no doubt about it. And I know from all the places that you have lived and you will get to where you move to next and a few other things, but I know every time I've talked to you, Newman always seems to keep coming up. And so clearly it had a major, major influence on your life. Well, Rob, when I left school, um, because I fell in love, of course. I got accepted yes. into uni to do at the drive-in. At the drive-in, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> actually, no. I actually fell in love at a dogs concert. That was the name of the band, oh. by the way. Um, the dogs, <laughs> fun, the concert. Yeah, it was quite in the community hall. But uh, mm-hmm. but when I left school, I decided not to go on to to university. Steve was doing an apprenticeship with the mine, and and as anyone that aware of the mining back then, there was a lot of apprentices there, and I managed to get a traineeship with the mine. And one thing I will say, BHP is a company that ran that ran, runs Mount Newman Mining. Um, best thing I ever did. I spent 12 mm. months of going around to all the different departments in the mine, learning, doing the old, you know, the photocopy room and all of that, but also getting involved in HR. I spent my first – I got accepted into the computer department when I first – Um, finished my traineeship. Now, when I say computer, this is talking those computers where I couldn't even lift the hard drive out of the hub at Satin because it was (laughs) half of my size because I'm a bit of a midget and weighed a tonne to a a computer that went across the span of probably six office spaces. Um, Wow. And so I was involved in that art. You know, the old um, big hard drives were like big tape drives and I actually Mm. got involved in getting a chance to learn a bit of Fortran. I actually developed a, a hall pack maintenance program back then, very basic, using Fortran. Don't ask me now how to do it. But one of the so, – uh, I'll, I'll jump in at yep. this point. So just for the younger listeners, Fortran, <laughs> that was a, 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 a programming language. Have I got that right? Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> We're really digging deep here. Fortran, that's a, yeah, go and Google it. That's, uh, that's cutting-edge stuff, that is. <laughs> Well, the other, going. the other thing, Rob, is we're all so used to computers. I'm sitting at my desk one day and the general manager of the mine walks in with this box and pumps it on my desk and says, right, Pauline, 
you've got 48 hours to learn how to use that and then you train the general manager secretary. And I ended up with a Wang PC on my desk that I'd never seen, never knew, the old big floppy drives. And I loved it. It was like, oh, this is awesome, you know. And I got cup lunch just to spend the whole, you know, two full days learning this. And then I trained it. And from there with BHP, I went on a lot of courses from the mine down to Perth mm. to learn different things. Um, and then mm. I moved on from the IT and I actually be, moved over to the Apprentice Training Centre. And in those days, there were two or 300 apprentices were involved and I was the mm. main administrator in there. So that was a different side of things again. So it set me really well up for what I did later in life, obviously. So do you look back now, you know, I tend to ask this question in every episode of, of Heart of the Bookkeeper, is that, you know, I don't think many of us have had a moment where we go, right, now we are a bookkeeper. I'm guessing that wasn't the case for you. But do you look back now and go, I think that was the start of it? You know, that was the start of where you 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 became a bit more aware of, you mentioned HR, for example, of of what happens in a business community or in a, in a business, whether it's small or large, and how that needs to flow. Do you, do you think that's that was the start or, or, or was there other triggers? I'd say no from Newman on that, um, Rob. Um, what got me into bookkeeping is I started working once I was in Perth for an under, underground drilling um, company that oh. did the underground drilling for the, when Telstra started putting all the big cables in that underground when yeah. it was very new. Yeah. And I literally got thrown in the deep end doing everything. It's the first time I right. saw MYOB. Um, I got a consultant mm-hmm. coming out and training me on it. And, and, and I literally ran the whole side of that, thrown in the deep end like a lot of us were back in the day and learnt all of that um, and then ended up with an exceptional opportunity from the guy that consulted that taught me came up to me and said, you need to go out on your own. And I went, yeah, Mm. no. (laughs) 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 I don't want to do that. And he said, you need to. He says, your MYOB experience is phenomenal. He says, you could work, you could definitely run a business from home. And he actually set me up with a couple of clients and that's when right. I moved right into the bookkeeping. I had one main client and then gradually grew from there to the point that probably, unfortunately, probably about five years in, he actually got a brain tumour hmm. and actually offered me his business because his daughters didn't want it. And he had a business of 150 clients, um, you know, and he had a couple of staff on, but I wasn't ready for that back then. You know, I had a young kid, yeah. young child at the time and it was just – and I, I didn't want the responsibility of running that size business. Now I would probably have taken it when I hit my 40s but, yeah, back then it was just too soon. But unfortunately he passed away. He was very well known in my old back in the time but, um, but he's the one that set me on it and that's when I really got to understand what bookkeeping was all about. And had mum and dad moved to Perth by this stage? Had they, were they still in Newman or? Mum and dad never ever moved to Perth. So mum and dad moved out of Newman right. um, to Geraldton. Okay, right. Yep. Yeah, so for those, uh, again, who are a little bit uneducated on WA, so a little bit further south than Newman, a little bit milder temperatures, albeit still pretty warm in Geraldton and some uh, pretty amazing winds howl through Geraldton on a daily basis. So. Um, and and Dad continued to, to work with, with his hands or other things? Dad was very unfortunate that he ended up developing major allergies from the red dust up there and he ended up um, having to retire on a medical exemption because he literally had dermatitis from head to toe, um, yeah, you know, right. and I, I mean from head to toe um, wow. and ha- did do to the day he died, unfortunately. 
Um, so he got a payout from Newman for that. And um, he was he was 50. We keep joking about the fact that, you know, you talk about paying taxi, taxes, you lazy bugger. You know you got to retire at 50. But, uh. <laughs> so, yeah, he just, um, he just literally got – they built a house in Newman and Dad's a gardener. You know, yep. Dad's a gardener, yep. a veggie, you know, whatever. And he'd go and help her volunteer around the local caravan parks. He'd just wander down and go and do some gardening for them where they needed it because it's what he loved to do. Um, and mum, mum worked in a tile shop for a little while up there. She worked in Newman. She worked in the in the in the mines. She worked in the the tool store in the main general workshop there. Um, so that they sort of stayed up there until they decided one day to become grey nomads, and they spent ten years on the road, actually travelling around, and then settled in Durian. I want to sort of move into now the period of time where you mentioned, you know, you'd sort of been encouraged to get out on your own and you, you hear it time and time again in our community where somebody says, I almost stumbled into what I now do and yet it's, you know, it's been so rewarding and so enjoyable. Once you'd got out on your own and started to do that, did your confidence grow? Did you feel as though you that that's where you could land and what you could do? Well, and truly, and, and, uh, and like a lot of people in our community, I had two young kids. I had a baby and um, Corey, I think, was would have been four at the time, my eldest. So it gave me that opportunity to work from home. I had enough, I had a great office space in the home and I did a bit of both. You know, I would do a bit, of, especially as the kids grew older, I would work some from home and then I'd go and spend some time with clients during the day too, which I loved. I must say it was nice to have that mixture rather than just sitting at home or having to go out every day. And, and as I say, my client base grew from word of mouth Yep. Um, and it had grown quite quite significantly in the first 12 months um, to the point that I never worked sort of semi-part-time. My hours used to be from nine, nine till three because it fitted in with the school hours up until the kids leaving and then it was nine till four, um, yep. my choice. Uh, I still used to like my hockey and getting out and doing things yep. like that. And in Newman, as you would know, in Perth, you tend to do that a bit earlier in the day than six or seven o'clock down here, um, yep. down down in the cities as such. So, so yes, and then that grew from there and I became a network facilitator, Rob, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about that. What's, what attracted you to network facilitating or in particular the network meetings itself? I have ICB to thank for it in some ways because went to a good old ICB conference. Didn't know a lot of yep. bookkeepers at that time, I must say. I was working for myself like a lot of people up until then. And then I happened to bump into two people that lived close by me in Joondalup. And um, so we started doing the regular, let's catch up once a month for a coffee. Um, and I must say those two people now are two of my closest friends. Um, and then, of course, one would bring another one and then another one and suddenly we had eight and they're all going, we've got other friends. So I contacted ICB and said, look, I've got eight people. I have got a sports association that's going to charge me five bucks to, to use a room um, and $2.50 a head for the food. And, oh, my God, Rob, if you could have seen this food. It was just yeah. phenomenal. And um, and so they jumped at it as they always do if they haven't got something in the area. ICB love it when people put their hands forward. So, guys, if you're even thinking about it, it's so rewarding to do. Um, but I yeah. started that and when I moved to over here, I would have regularly between 25 and 30 people that would come to that group. And I have got, well, you'll know, Rob, I'm meeting three of them next week, some exceptionally yes. close friends that have come out of that that group and also then enabled me at, in towards the end of my bookkeeping time in Perth 
when I would go on holidays, when I went overseas, I could get one of those friends to actually step in and be my delegate to do mm. my payroll and all that. So I wasn't mm. worried about it and vice versa. So that fr- mm-hmm. that friendship also led to being able to live a more normal life, if I can say, as a, as a worker, Rob, you know. Yeah, sort of, like that. Yeah. Mm. And and I think it calls out the very word, doesn't it? Network. Yep. That's what it is. It's a networks. Yeah. When you when you moved from Perth, so so obviously was there not obviously? Tell me, was there a, a reason to move to Melbourne? Was it Steve's work, or was it the opportunity with ICB? Well, Steve at the time, our youngest had gone overseas. He he'd moved overseas to travel around for a few years, so we had no kids at home. And Steve was literally travelling two weeks out of every four to the eastern side of the country. So I actually came over for a holiday, funnily enough, to Melbourne, and I just said to him, "Why aren't we moving over here?" It makes every yeah. possible sense to move over here. And the company he worked for, he set up their WA office. He was one of their first ones. They went from an Adelaide office to WA to become an international office. So he'd been the he'd set up the national the WA office, got it working and was there for many years. And then so we just said we want to come over to the East. And we literally had our choice, I must say. And um, and I said, Well, I'm only interested in two places. Melbourne or Brisbane. I don't yeah. want to go to Adelaide because I feel it's and I, I don't wish to offend and I hope I don't, but I feel it's a, bit, <laughs> a step backwards from WA even back then. So I do apologize because I love Adelaide, so I'm not knocking it. We, we love our love our members in Adelaide yep. just quietly yep. and uh, go and listen to Melinda Van Dyke's episode if you haven't done so. She love she's a, a lover of Adelaide. But uh, yes, yeah, fair enough, keep going. Um, <laughs> and so funny enough we had a I don't I think it was a end of year workshop. Um, with ICB and I was there and I just mentioned to Rick because I'd done a couple of little, um, they'd asked me to do a couple of little presentations in Perth as they got to know me and I just said to Rick, oh, I'm heading over your way and he sort of went, really? I went, yep. And he says, you and I need to have a talk. <laughs> and I went, oh, okay. <laughs> and from there I ended up working three three days a week at that time with ICB and I still had quite a few of my um, remote clients. I'd only there was only a few of those that I needed to let go because they were a bit too big to be doing from over at that point. I felt so I still had a good mixture of clients and ICB, and then gradually as I dropped my clients off, I managed to get more time at ICB. And as you know now, Rob, I am effectively full time. But I was only really support back then. Um, you know, I didn't do the webinars per se. I helped with resources, and so my role definitely increased over that period of time to the situation of where I am now. Again, for those tuning in, Rick is Rick Van Dyke, who is, um, uh, well, he, he, he has a range of different uh, titles at ICB these days and uh, has certainly been, is one of one of the originals um, that uh, has played a huge part in, in, in establishing the Institute of Certified Bookkeepers. When you got involved with support and resources, uh, obviously I wasn't around, Chris McComb played a bit of a bit of a role there in in defining kind of what you called out earlier of what you do today. Yes, Chris was my manager when I moved over. So um, she, w- so I was more of a. I didn't develop resources back then. I would certainly help update resources, um, which I still prefer to do. I think I'm better at that than doing a resource from scratch. Um, so Chris, Chris was definitely my manager up until, as you know, what. How long have you been here, Rob? Three years this month. Three there years. There you go. And obviously we yes. still see Chris around the traps. And um, so a lot of my development was down to Chris. Um, the interesting one with my 
turn into actually doing presentations was um, we all know Deb Thompson and we all know Deb's quite open about this, so I don't think I'm overstepping the mark. Um, but Deb got very seriously ill and she was yes. supposed to go on the road. And, and yep. Matthew called me in the office and he said, how do you feel about doing one end-of-year session for me? And I went, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I said, oh, yeah, I can do one, you know. He says, good. And then about three days later he said, sorry, Pauline, but you're going to have to do them all. <laughs> um, <laughs> Nothing like being thrown under the oh, bus. <laughs> and, and the stress levels went through the roof because I'd done little groups and some of these were quite big ones. Um, so I went round the road then with Rochelle and, and Rick who were also very into the end of years and we had some great times. And, again, the beauty of that was was great to engage face-to-face with the people that I've been talking on the phone with for so many years and yeah. um, seeing that what I'd pictured wasn't the case or just, you know. And there are some such lovely members out there. I remember when I moved to Melbourne, I literally landed in Melbourne the week before the end of the year workshop for Melbourne. Oh, right. Yeah. So I said to Rick, can I come along? And he said, come along, just turn up, you know. So I did. And I met, I met three beautiful people, Faye, and look, I'm going to forget surnames now. Everyone out there will be laughing, those that know me. No, I forget um, names. We'll go with Faye. So Faye, yeah. um, Jam Byers and um, Loretta Finnis and, and Via. Yes. Well, from the day I met those, every time they saw me out, hugs, you know, big hugs, so great to see you again. They were so supportive. And then from there, as you mm. know, Rob, I've met lots of other members around that, mm-hmm. um, that yeah. I enjoy the company of. But yeah. it's the one thing that I've struggled with work-wise, I think, over the pandemic was that missing of getting that face-to-face, even to the networking. Zoom's great. But as you said, networking becomes part of um, I'm part of the group. I lead the group to a degree, but I'm part of the group. And I've got a fantastic network group here in, in Perth. Um, so anyone around the Mitcham Ringwood area, I run a network meeting there. And we have some fantastic laughs. Um, we have some good debates. We have some fantastic laughs. And um, I have to try and remind them that sometimes I take my ICB hat off because they see me as ICB, which sometimes it's like, can I just be me for a minute and tell you what yeah. I think, you know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and so I have been fortunate in that way. And as you said, the team I work with, you know, the, the friendships that have developed, um, I mean, everyone would know that I'm assuming now that Jan retired. Jan has become my best friend over here. Mm. And mm-hmm. and her, her, even her with the members, what she used to put into it. But it's just the nature. It's just wonderful. Yes, yes. So if you weren't aware, Jan Tacey was our... Um, that headed up our member services for a very, very long time uh, or long period of time and has, has was, well, I think, again, a bit like Rick, pretty much there from the get-go of ICB, which I think started around 2005-06 from, from, uh, from memory. And Jan has recently retired and has moved on. But, uh, yeah, we absolutely honour everything that Jan Tacey ever has done for the ICB and it's great that you've got that friendship and that connection there. Um, and yeah, I, I've come to witness that over many, but over many um, many years being involved. But I think that goes for nearly the whole core of the group of, of the institute. You know, there's some amazing friendships there, which we really well, well, it just makes the work environment so much better when you've got that sort of thing happening around you. 
I wanted to just spend a, a few moments talking a, a little bit about what we do now as ICB support and resources, and in particular over the last couple of years and the challenges we've faced as as a team and then more broadly as an, an institute and as a bookkeeping community here in Australia. We won't go into depth because it has been talked out talked out a bit over the last year or so in particular, the challenges that hit us in March of 2020. We were on the road, if you remember, Pauline. I think we are in Perth when we really faced the, 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 the reality that this was something that was going to affect all of us in a major way, kind of almost shut our conference in that year down almost immediately. Um, but JobKeeper, obviously, for us as a team, um, was was really, really stressful. But certainly I'm going to call it out and I'm going to get you to just talk a little bit about it now. That period of time, 2020, 21, when there were so many things just being thrown at us by the government and by the ATO and regulations to wrap our head around, the team that we've spoken about really just pulled together magnificently, didn't it? And as a whole, as a collective, we really just, we were almost thinking nimbly on our feet every second of the day. Yes, it was, um, you know, the members out there, as we know, struggled and, and it hit them hard. And yes. to be the support behind that, the sense of responsibility, I think, you know, because that's what we are. You know, we're there wholly and solely for the members. So JobKeeper in particular, um, gosh, Rob, you'll attest there were times that we were just, I would say at times I've been in tears, no different to what you members were out there, just trying to get your head around it and listening to members that were dealing with it and struggling and, you know, yeah. you'd have you'd yeah. almost be on tears crying with the member on the other side of it. But at the same yeah. time, we had such a fantastic team and we also had a fantastic team in the management that helped with that. I mean, obviously, we've got to give some kudos here to Matthew for for, for yeah. what he was able to, to provide to us to be able to provide. But, yes, it was hard. I don't think I ever want to do that again. I can't remember. Rob, you can probably do this. How many calls did we end up taking? over that period? Well, put it this way, in in terms of proportion, at times 10 or 15 times more than what we would normally get on a daily basis. Now, on a daily basis, we, we, we're able to contain the number of support calls we get pretty well. We pride ourselves as a team that we don't leave too many what we call tickets left at the end of the day to deal with in the next day. We try desperately to get to everybody's needs on a given day. And I would say for the large part of the journey, certainly since I've been involved, since the pandemic slowed down, we we achieved that. But during the pandemic, it was it was crazy. So, in, in in return, in respect rather of resources, I mean, whereas we normally have one, maybe two people on support at busier times, we were at times having two, three, four people on support, just trying to to maintain the rage, I guess you could call it. And it was it, it went beyond just interpretation of compliance and interpretation of new rules and that. It became, as you called it, Pauline emotional at times because we had members calling in who were just beside themselves. You know, they had the pressure of small business owners needing to know immediately the responses that were were at times very unclear, very unclear. And you you mentioned Matthew Addison and um, we do need to recognise, I think it will be really important for us to recognise his 
his incredible um, work ethic to get answers when we simply couldn't and we need to call that out. And great leadership at that time and that includes Amanda Linton, the CEO, who, who basically threw everything at trying to ensure that the membership got what they needed and, and I feel as though we... We did something very special. I called it out in a recent episode of Heart of the Bookkeeper. I think in time, when we look back over time, uh, not just the ICB support and resources team, but the whole team as, as a collective, but also every single bookkeeper in Australia should be proud of the fact that they were at a front line. We heard so much about um, nurses and doctors and... Oh, how how lucky were we here in Australia to have amazing nurses and doctors. But I, I, I really, part of my, hopefully my legacy is to spend the remainder of my days telling people about how hard bookkeepers worked during those pandemic years to ensure that small business stayed open. That's really what it comes down to. And the work that our team, Pauline, did during that time played a critical role in that as well. And on top of that, we ended up with new staff members in the middle of all that, if you remember, Rob, um, did, who have yes. become become such an integral part of our team now. And and there's such a great team spirit and that in there. And and look, I, with Rob, I, I, I take my hat off to all of you out there. I mean, the stories that we heard, as I said, yep. it was hard not to cry, come off the phone and end up in tears yourself sometimes um, and yep. then get back on the next call and, you know, try yeah. and try and deal with it. And outside of just the, the the support side of it, obviously we had all those resources that we were constantly updating and doing and and whatever. So um, it was well, it was a very trying time, but I think it was a time that we excelled at, excel at ICB. I certainly think we put ourselves out there. Um, and I agree with Rob. You know, I take my hat up off to you members out there because, well, not me- just members, all the bookkeepers, because I don't yep. think that we have been given the credit because we just work merrily away. We're not in the forefront, um, you know, in in what is a life and death scenario as such. So I don't think we get recognised as much. So I'm applauding you to whatever you've done out there. I really do. And I enjoy, I love, I love, Rob will attest to this, all the girls will say it, I love the members. And, yes, we have our days like anybody where we might be a bit tired and whatever, Um, and, and sometimes I've got to say, if we end up with 10 calls that are all the same, sometimes it's like, oh, can we have a different topic for a minute? Um, <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> Hold that thought because we do need to wind this up. Uh, what you've just said, I think, encapsulates Pauline Walton to a T. You know, if the listeners could see you, not just when you were clapping your hands, you were almost bursting with a combination of pride and also in awe of our, our members, as you call them, and our, our bookkeeping community across Australia for what not only they did, but I, I would say continue to do absolutely on every single, in every single minute of every single day. And thankfully, I think small business owners across Australia, as bad as the pandemic was for us worldwide and as a nation, and we lost so many good people during that time and continue to, you know, have those uh, flow on effects from from the pandemic. But I think during that time, I think small business owners, maybe not en masse, but certainly a lot, did create a a better understanding of what a bookkeeper really is. And we call it, you know, the professional bookkeeper. I think that professionalism really shone through during those years and has set us up now 
for future years to be able to continue to grow out the fact that bookkeepers play a critical role in the infrastructure of business across Australia on a daily basis. And happy to have an argument with anybody who wants to have that with me because I'm I'm very clear on that one and uh, I don't think I'm, I don't think you or I Pauline are preaching to anybody who wouldn't uh, necessarily disagree with us because it's 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 so true but I do want to wrap up and I'm going to circle back to something you just said a moment ago we'll get to there in a moment she's sort of nodding going what, what did I just say but we'll get there we need to finish with some closing balances for Pauline Walton so Three quick questions to finish off with. What was your first car? Oh, a little, little white, little old Mazda type thing. I can't remember. No, <laughs> Morris, Morris Minor it was. A Morris Minor. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, now we're going back. It was a an, Morris Minor. <laughs> yeah, it was an old Morris Minor. And um, I always remember Dad saying, if you get your licence on the first go, I'll buy it for you. Otherwise, you have to pay me back. And guess what? I got my licence on the first go. Yeah, nailed it, yeah. <laughs> Did you sweet talk the uh, policeman in Newman or something? Uh, it was... <laughs> getting a driver's licence in Newman wasn't that difficult, I must say. No, no, a little bit different to today. Yeah, I've got a son yeah. who's going through it at the moment. You've got to do like 15,000 hours or something like that. Yeah, we didn't even have traffic lights, uh, Rob, so hey. No. <laughs> yeah. Excellent, yes. No, if you knew the local police sergeant, that was also very <laughs> handy to know in towns like Newman and Harvey and a few other places. Okay, I'm Morris Minor. Okay, some people might have to go and Google that one. Um, <laughs> you mentioned the drive-in. I mean, we all lived around the drive-in in communities like uh, Newman and and I keep calling it out Harvey. What's a movie you remember going and seeing at the drive-in that sticks in your mind? Funnily enough, I was only telling someone this story the other day. When a stranger calls, I don't know whether anyone's watched it. They've done a yeah. remake. And, yes. and, of course, you used to line up with all your mates in a row when you went to the driving. You know, all the cars were there and we used to have chairs as well. But it, Steve and I sat in the car and watching this and there's no blood gore or anything but pure good suspense. So we're sitting there, you know, and all of a sudden the music's going and you're getting yourself hyped up and all of a sudden there's this absolute high-pitched scream from the car next to us. Well, I literally hit the roof. And I've looked over and we had another friend who'd come the night before to watch the movie, come that night to have some fun. And he'd crept up between the two cars and he had his window <laughs> down because a hot night. And as whatever happened on the screen did, he just reached in and grabbed <laughs> well, the fucker did that three times before the idiot thought to wind his window up. But every time, because you'd be sitting there going, and it was a high-pitched girl screen, even though it was a bloke pure terror because it was so in sync with what was going on in the movie. And I've never forgotten that night. Steve and I were killing ourselves laughing after. I reckon he had some very strange coloured underpants after that, I must say. <laughs> well, we won't go there. We've already had the, pee- the peeing doll. We don't, we're kind of going in some directions in this episode I didn't see it coming, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> Uh, very good, yes. Uh, so many stories about drive-ins. I reckon somebody somewhere is going to come up with a, you know, a podcast about drive-in stories because there's so many of them, you know, the hiding in the boot to get through without paying and all those sort of things. We won't, we won't go there in this episode, but maybe, uh, maybe that's an idea for somebody for a podcast somewhere down the track. To finish off with, last one, last thing to finish the, the, uh, the podcast, the, the life of, of Pauline Walton and we haven't even got into probably one-tenth of, of your your great story. Um, 
the passion, I called it out before, the passion that you have for supporting bookkeepers, I see it every day. What, what is, you mentioned before, and we all have it, you know, for those who don't understand, when a, when a call comes in on support, we kind of get a little bit of a quick debrief of what it's about before we take the call. Um, and there's a few of us who go, oh, no, not that one. Um, you know, and, and Pauline regularly accuses me of being what they, we call a cherry picker. I only pick the good ones and leave the, the not so good. <laughs> She's smiling away, not saying much here right now. Um, what, what's your favourite thing about being on support? We've, we've talked about the, the, the not so favourite moments. What's your favourite thing? Is there something that, you know, why do you like doing support with our members? Can I do two? Yeah, you can. <laughs> the first one is there's always that feeling of, of feeling really good about yourself when you help someone through through a, a, a question that they're really struggling with. And some of them can be basic for them, but is is you know for us, but it's still quite new for them. The other the other ones and, and we don't get them a lot, but the other ones where I get off the phone and, and and feel really good about myself, maybe have a cry still, is those ones and we do get them where there's a really bad client scenario going on or something going on in someone's life and, you know, the member will ring up and you know from the minute that you take that call that this person needs help. It, it, they yeah. need someone there um, to be there for them and help them through it. And sometimes it may not even be the, the actual issue, the support issue in itself. They're just, um, you know, they've just lost someone or whatever. And yeah. it is a, such a great feeling when you get off from that call to sit back and go, I think I helped there. I think I made it yep. easier for them. I think I've taken some of that pressure off, whether, it, as I say, whether it's actually the, the answer to the question. But, and, you know, it does happen quite a lot, unfortunately. And I say unfortunately because people just just get to a point where they don't know what to do with themselves. And for me, yeah. that's that's always one of my biggest achievements is that I've been able to, get them back from having a laugh at the end. Go and have that glass of wine. Come on, go and get it red. Mm -hmm. Go and sit outside, mm -hmm. take in the sunshine. And you can see that, yeah, they're still not, they're still upset over something, but they've dropped from being um, really, really in, a, in an emotional state to a state where they can see where they can go a little bit more with it. And I always find that a great sense of, not, of achievement, but also I like to be able to help people. And when I come off a call like that, I just feel like, yep, I've done something good today. I'm going to call it that is almost the perfect way to, to, to finish your story because I, I can attest that everything that Pauline's just said is 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 how I witness Pauline Walton. Um, and I think as a result of that, Pauline, on behalf of the community, that uh, certainly the ICB membership community, thank you for everything that you've done so far, continue to do, and I'm hopeful that you'll be around for a while yet, uh, certainly not going anywhere and and the passion that you have and the, the focus that you put on every day and I know how, how, how clearly you do this and that is to ensure that the member experience is one that will leave them in a better place. So, And, and that's not just around the technicalities of, of what we do as well as you've just called out. So thank you. Thank you for, for joining me today. Unfortunately for you, you get to join me after we've finished and then again tomorrow and every nearly every other day. But uh, uh, I'm thankful that uh, I get to work alongside you each day, Pauline, and we, uh, we look forward to many, many good things for the bookkeeping community here in Australia moving ahead. So 
Thanks for joining us today on Heart of the Bookkeeper. And that's right back at you, Rob, as the whole team as a whole. You know, I think we all enjoy working with one another and we always we always get on well. We always work together well, I feel. So thank you. Thanks, Pauline. I want to assure you all, Pauline continues to take that love of helping bookkeepers to a whole new level every day. And Pauline, I and we just want to thank you for what you do and how you go about it. And as always, we thank you, the listener, for tuning in to Heart of the Bookkeeper. My name is Rob Marshall and simply, we love your heart.